Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome on to Hollinger and Duncan. A day late here. We apologize for that. John was traveling at the Sloan Conference, so we figured it was easier to take stock of things on a Monday. And where I want to start is uh, with what John wrote about this week. Well, he writes about several things each week for The Athletic. Uh, Theathletic.com slash PER, by the way, is how you can sign up uh, for that. Get 40% off a, a yearly subscription. We'll tell you more about that later. But uh, you wrote about Kenny Atkinson. And Brooklyn moving on from him. There was some additional reporting from your colleague Sean Sharania today uh, talking about uh, some of the behind the scenes stuff uh, that led to his ouster. But uh, what are your initial thoughts uh, on hearing this? Uh, I think, you know, there was, there was some stuff out there that maybe he wasn't the right guy for this team going forward. I think the timing of it surprised people that it happened now yeah. and not after. When did season. when you said there was some stuff out there? Like when did that start becoming uh, th- things that you were hearing about? Uh, I think the uh, the, for the me, moment that KD signed. <laughs> yeah, well, a, a, li- a little bit. Um, yeah, you know, talking to people this weekend because there obviously were a bunch of NBA people around in Boston. Um, it became more apparent to me that at least some people had a pretty good inkling that this was bound to happen at some point. Um, so that, 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 that's, that's what I would say for that. And I, I, I think it's just, they, they completely changed their stripes once those guys said they were coming. Um, you know, you go from this sort of, it's, it's actually the same thing that the Clippers have tried to manage, uh, this year and they've done it more successfully. But when you go from sort of this, uh, scrappy underdog to the the team with the stars. There's there are some things that change internally along with that, and that can be a tricky thing to navigate. Yeah, you know, I think it, it's this goes back to one of those things that I talk about a lot with NBA coach firings, and uh, whether you want to attribute the quote to Clint Eastwood in Unforgiven or uh, to The Wire, deserve got nothing to do with it. Right. It doesn't matter whether you deserve to get fired or not in this business. Sometimes coaches who don't deserve to get fired get fired, and it's for reasons like this. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you're just assessing the actual coaching job, I mean, they're eighth in defense without a whole lot of talent at that end. And, uh, you know, they they made the playoffs last year when no one expected them to. They're going to make it this year, although basically by default in the freaking East. Um but still, I mean, you look at the overall body of work, there was nothing to complain about with what he had done. And schematically, they took good shots and generally prevented the easiest shots, right? And yeah, he so developed the- those guys amazingly well. I mean, all the stuff we talked about 
last week when I, uh, in one of my greatest lawyering performances ever, convinced you to uh, move him up slightly in your rankings. Yes, exactly. 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 I mean, and you would, you know, some people thought he wasn't the greatest game coach or whatever, but, um, but you were... You were really nitpicking if you were saying like that that was a reason to like push him out right now, you know. <laughs> yeah. Nobody thought that. And I think he'll be a pretty prominent candidate for whatever jobs are open uh this offseason, especially the ones that involve young slash developing teams. Yeah, and that gets to something else that we talked about last week, which is there are certain coaches who might have strengths that are better for certain teams, and that this team, you know, is expected to be an NBA finals contender next year and i could see how just from an objective standpoint you might want someone who's a little bit more experienced now is it fair to him to not give him the chance yeah maybe not but there's also some of the supporting do you buy this idea that there is a mutuality to this or is it kind of like well i know you're going to break up with me so i'm going to break up with you first i think that booze probably more the latter yeah I think I think there was an element of that, and that's why this happened now, as opposed to at the end of the season. But I think it was going to happen at the end of the season. Well, yeah, and I think I buy it, the mutuality aspect, in the sense that that's why they did this now, right? Like, I, I don't think that they truly believe that Jock Vaughn gives them a better chance to win the rest of this season and in the playoffs than Kenny <laughs> Except, yeah, that would be a difficult sell based on what happened in Orlando. Now, you might say that, hey, we want to move on from this guy, so let's fire him now before he has a chance to, like, you know, upset Toronto if Kyle Lowry gets injured in the first round or something like that. I mean, the the chances of that are exceedingly small, but, or, you know, they take him to seven or something, and then the optics get even harder. Maybe the optics of, of this are easier now. Yeah, although you run the risk of the interim guy doing the same thing. Yeah, I, although I think uh, Vaughn is is uh, so limited in stature at the point that that wouldn't necessarily be that difficult. And and I, I do think that, as unfair as it might be, that this could work out for the Nets. And the reason not why is, to me, having a coach that Kyrie and KD want is more important than having a superior X's and O's coach. And not to say that the new coach wouldn't be superior X's and O's, but just... Keeping Kyrie sane, that to me yeah. is more value added than any X's and O's stuff that any coach is going to be able to do for this team. Clearly, <laughs> based on based on recent history, right? So, yeah, there's there's that aspect of it. And then the other thing is this will be viewed as a plum job. So they, they will not be scraping the barrel for candidates here, right? The, yeah. Any, any uh, prospective coach who's on the sidelines right now, I mean, I, I'll bring up Tom Thibodeau since he was all over the place this weekend in Boston. Uh, you know, like he's got to look at that and be like, hey, that would be a pretty good job to get, right? So uh, I, I, I think I, we don't know who's going to end up uh, in the offseason musical chairs game. I'm sure some other coaches uh, will be let go as well. Uh, but who that field will be, but this will be, I think, at or near the top of the list of desired uh, landing spots for whatever coaches find themselves out of work this spring. Uh, as a quick aside, uh, what would you put the power rankings of non-analytical coaches who went to Sloan to try to rehab their image uh, this week? <laughs> We definitely, we did, we definitely, uh, 
Usually, we've been averaging about one a year. I think I think we had an uptick this year. I think I think we had a few this year. So, yeah. Well, I mean, it's past luminaries there, Mike D'Antoni, who then, uh, ironically enough, got a job with Daryl. Uh, yeah. Mike Braun and Vinny Del Negro have been on that car wash uh, before. Uh, and, and it hasn't necessarily, you know, Braun got the job with the Warriors, but I think he was hoping yeah. to springboard from there, and uh, hasn't done that yet. Uh, and Vinny hasn't really gotten. Any sniffs out of out of the Dirigur candidate mentions in certain articles that yeah. are just kind of done as a favor. It seems like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> it's 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 definitely an interest an interesting kind of kind of footnote to the conference to see who's who's there doing that. Uh, but you know, it's it kind of. I mean that. Ch- wandering a little off topic here, but it, it does show a little bit how that conference has changed over the 14 years Yeah, where it's more, it's more a trade show now, uh, unless a, um, a gathering of pointy headed nerds like ourselves. Um, so it, it had already gotten to that point when I went to my first one in, in 2012, actually, it seemed like there was, I mean, there were over 2000 attendees, I think even that year. Right. Um, yeah. By the way, do you, you, you don't remember me coming up to you in 2012 and like introducing myself to you. It's okay to say no. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> so I don't, I don't think, but no, you see, I, I can't place it. Phys- I do remember you introducing yourself to me. I just can't remember where I was. Yeah. I think it probably would have been at like some scouting event, like the Euro camp or no. Okay. Or, uh, no, that's no Slovenia. Yeah. That's what it was. That's what, yeah. Uh, 2014. The, right. The, yeah. The Euro camp. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 That's when we, when we first started, but no, I actually did uh, screw up the courage to go and say hello to you. I have no idea. Cause this <laughs> would have been when you were still writing actually. So I, I have it no idea what I said year, to you. My last year with, uh, with ESPN. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I think I managed to like blunder through it I and mean, that was, it still is just I have no idea what to say to people who who don't like already know me in this industry. It's like, oh, I I have a basketball podcast, uh, and I'm a real expert. I swear, just the self credentialed <laughs> expert on, on this. Like, it's it's a little If I can get someone that I that I know who knows the person to introduce me, that usually goes a little bit better. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, so well, I so, mean, I think that was like that was like all of us essentially. Like I got like like I got like made like in the mob, right? Because I because now I can say I worked for a team, right? Yeah. Well, if you, I mean, you work for ESPN, you wrote for sports, right? Shows, right, so th- right. That's enough. Where you just you mention either of those two places, that people at least like like okay, there's some gatekeeping involved for this guy to get this job. I I got to take him seriously. But I never had one of those jobs really. Basketball insiders is like the most prominent job that I ever had. Um. At least for a for a large organization, but uh, so so back to Kenny here. I the I thought the whole Jock Vaughn starting DeAndre Jordan immediately was interesting, followed by DeAndre Jordan, uh, or actually his protest that he didn't get Kenny fired and and nobody got him fired was uh came before he was elevated to the starting lap, and then Shams reporting, of course, indicating that he had signed there expecting to start, and uh, Kenny Atkinson because Jared Allen is probably the better player. Uh, started Jared Allen, and I, I think that was—I don't know if that was the beginning of the end, but certainly it's a symptom of the disease there, where Kenny was kind of—you know—the Nets kind of yeah. sold out the organization, and Kenny wasn't quite ready to play ball yet. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, I agree. It, you know, it's weird though because at some point they're going to have to f- switch it back, right? 
Jared Allen's 10 years younger than DeAndre Jordan. Like, do they think DeAndre's just going to start ahead of him for the next three seasons too? Like, there's no way, right? Yeah, it, it, it seems unlikely. Maybe maybe Jared Allen gets traded uh, as they try to uh, get all this new talent that Kyrie thinks that they need. But, uh, y- you know, to, wow. to build around him, KD uh, and DeAndre. But I, I think you – Kenny probably, in retrospect, did play it wrong, though. Like, you start the veteran and – then if things are going poorly, you at least are able to say, hey, you know what? Look, we tried it. It's not working. You know, yeah. whereas if you start the young guy, the veteran is always going to think that he's better. Everyone, everyone else is always going to think that he's better. And especially too, because if you start DeAndre, then you know, you're at least giving him some kind of a currency. If you want to not close the game with him, you can do that uh, potentially. Yeah. Uh, and DeAndre had been playing more in the last month or so, but it's, I mean, it was the, they, they did what they had to do to get Katie and Kyrie. And, you know, we'll see whether that actually works out or not next year. But this year was always going to just be tremendously awkward. It seemed like. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with the, the injuries and then Kyrie's hardly played too. So, all right, let's take a quick break here. And then I want to ask you a little bit more about, uh, Sean Mark's press conference performance, which was, uh, which was an all timer. I used to do a fair amount of interviewing back when I was a lawyer, and it was really difficult. You didn't know where to post your job. You didn't know whether your applicants were really qualified. You're just looking at resumes. You don't know if they actually really have the skills that they claim to have. But Indeed really helps you out with that. They've got millions of great candidates. You can post a job in minutes, and you can use screener questions to help create your short list of applicants fast. You can even add skills tests to your job post. You can be confident in your applicants' abilities. They've got more than 50 skills tests, ranging from industry-specific skills like accounting to general aptitude tests like critical thinking. So you can get more information about your applicant pool. Indeed gives you the smart tools to make hiring decisions quickly and to be confident that you're making the right hire for your team. Post your job today at Indeed.com. Yes, indeed. That kind of indeed. Indeed.com slash Duncan. I get the, the URL this time. Indeed.com slash Duncan and get a free sponsored job upgrade on your first posting. That's indeed.com slash Duncan. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Offer valid through March 31st, 2020. You all know that I do a lot of travel and Blinkist is a constant companion for me. You know that throughout most of the year, I'm watching a ton of NBA games, I'm recording, I'm doing research, I'm watching film. I want to actually, you know, spend some time with my friends and family as well on occasion. So I don't know that I really have the time to read a nonfiction book. So that's why I love Blinkist because it takes the best key takeaways, the need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books, condenses them down to just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. 12 million people are now using Blinkist. It has this massive library, self-help, business, health, history books. They've got the sports gene inside the science of extraordinary athletic performance by David Epstein, a Hebrew school classmate of mine, in fact, in uh, good old Evanston, Illinois, back in the 1980s. The four-hour work week by Tim Ferriss, Secrets of Power Negotiating by Roger Dawson, and tons more. 
Right now, you can try them out at Blinkist.com slash P-E-R. That's P-E-R, the metric that John invented. Easy to remember. Blinkist.com slash P-E-R. You can try it free for seven days, and you can save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, like blinking your eyes. Blinkist.com slash P-E-R to start your free seven-day trial, and you also save that 25% off at Blinkist.com slash P-E-R. Don't forget that slash P-E-R URL. Let them know that you came from us. So Sean uh, repeatedly refused to get into some of the, the, the reasons why they moved on for, from Kenny. You can almost say that uh, the reasons for his firing were a bit of a third rail issue for the Nets. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, I wanted to ask you this because you, for seven years with the Grizzlies, you see yourself get written about all the time. You know, there's this story from Sean's now kind of saying that, hey, you know, there was all this beside, behind the scenes stuff and there are all these meetings and, and – uh, you know, that's, that's what led to the ouster, but I'm sure there are plenty of times when in the media you felt either their subjective analysis was wrong. They didn't understand what you were doing or they just flat out even misreported stuff. So when you saw that both yourself and as an organization, what was your reaction? Um, it's uh very case specific, I would say. I mean, sometimes if somebody had a fact wrong, that was almost the easiest thing. Cause you just send them a text sure. message, you know, and most people in this profession are honorable enough that they would acknowledge it and then, you know, correct it somehow. Yeah. Well, let's say um, it's one of these things like, oh, uh, you know, organization giving serious consideration to firing this guy or so, you know, like one of these things where it's like, okay, yeah. it's, it's, it's not just like, oh, this guy's going to miss the next three games. No, actually, he's coming back next game, like that kind of thing. But something that's mm-hmm. a little bit more, you know, it's factual, but it's also more subjective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's tough. That's because sometimes depending on the situation, um, you may just have to smile and eat shit. Um, and it depends on the, the relationship with the reporter and kind of what's, what's going on with the specific situation. But there may be like the facts that you may have to refute that may not be facts that you can share. Okay. So that's, that's happened a couple of times where, it was like, okay, I could introduce this extra piece of evidence here, but doing that would do way more collateral damage than just letting this be reported how it's being reported. Yeah, that, that's that got to be tough. I mean, I mean, were there any reporters that you felt like, I mean, not, not to name names, but like that you or the organization felt like you had enough of a relationship with where you could kind of say, hey, you know what, like this is what's going on. Don't report this, but you know, this, maybe you can kind of just like chill out on this a a bit here. Uh, we, we did have one or two situations like that where we were, (laughs) where we were kind of able to lay out at least a little bit. Why? Like, cause sometimes like you, you'll know if somebody's, you'll generally know if somebody's digging and they're getting close to hitting gold, (laughs) you know what I mean? So you can kind of be like, okay, here's, you know, here's, here's a deal here. I know, I know, I know you think you just hit gold, but actually it's, it's, uh, what's, I forgot the other mineral. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> pyrite. Is that what it is? Uh, oh, oh, like, like fake gold. Like, yeah. Like the, yeah. the cubic zirconia. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. To gold. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, so you say, actually, actually you've hit, you've hit, Fool's gold because there's, you know, of X, Y, and Z, which, which you 
we have to trust you not to report, but this is the situation. And if you have enough report them and enough trust with them, but it also like, there's a lot of trust that has to be built to go into that, right? Yeah. Like if you've been bullshitting them for, you know, on five other things, they're just going to be like, yeah, whatever, dude, <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> um, so it, it really depends on, on kind of having that back and forth and being able to, to build some trust where, where you can do something like that. So there were, there were, there were a couple situations where we were able to do that. One pattern that has stood out to me a lot of times in observing this from afar is national reporter breaks story with slant unfavorable to team followed by immediately immediate clarification from local reporter with oh, yeah. slant favorable to team. hundred percent. Yeah. 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 Cause that's coming from the sl- unfavorable slant is coming from an agent. And then the favorable slant is coming from the team reps calling the local reporter. Like it's, <laughs> uh, it, yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, it's always, we should make this like a, a segment uh, at some point soon where like we kind of just, go through some of these stories and we just say, okay, uh, like just analyze, you know, who has the, uh, the incentive for, for a certain spin. I always think that that's interesting to go through. Um, Oh yeah. I mean, that's how, that's how we would always be reading these stories. Not, not for what the fact, what, what the story said, but for what they indicated about who leaked what to whom. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Did you, maybe it wasn't you guys, but, did you feel like there was a lot of, okay, I've got a negative story about you. So you're like, okay, please don't report this and I'll trade, you know, some breaking news or access for that. Do you think that's something that goes on? Uh, rare, rare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Usually situations like this, you're not really going to mollify somebody by saying, Hey, we ha- we're about to sign a 10 day. You want to know who? You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah. I, I'd say I'd say that's pretty rare. Yeah, um, one on one with Dylan Brooks, we got him. Where it's uh... <laughs> some sometimes there's there's a uh, there's a little bit of an accounting game that goes on. That's like okay, well the next time we get something like of decent, you know, a decently big scoop, we'll throw it to this guy. You know, because um, because you could do that on player transactions. Sometimes obviously you can control yeah. who gets that first. Yeah, I mean that, but but usually, I mean, don't teams usually just like let the agent leak that instead of the the team doing it? Uh, more often than not, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, that seems like at that point the the agents need their currency as well. And, yeah, and that's uh some some of the best stuff. And I mean, also you would if you leak it before signing is is put to paper, and and then. It's not great if the agent is like, oh, no, actually, we're not done <laughs> yet. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 that's that's yeah. good. Or, 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 or you leak it and then he's like, well, uh, you know, you, you can give us another like, you know, 10 million here on, <laughs> on this contract now that now that you've leaked it. Uh, I guess that probably wouldn't happen. You probably have enough trust to where that people yeah. wouldn't try and yeah. do that to you. Yeah, yeah. Although, and especially in July, I suppose somebody could. Um. All right, so anything else you want to talk about on Brooklyn, or should we move on to topic number two here? Uh, I think we're ready to move on. I think we've uh, I think we've uh, covered all our bases here on the on uh, Brooklyn. Although, if you're if you're hankering for more, I did write about the Brooklyn Nets for the Athletic uh, today as well. So uh, I thought of this idea as coincidentally I was 
tossing and turning in bed and unable to sleep last night. Uh, this is a, a new feature we're going to do called uh, What Keeps Teams Up at Night? So we're going to talk about uh, playoff teams, and as they go into the playoffs, their coaching staffs, what are they most worried about? Uh, who do you want to start with uh, as a team? Well, I I mean, to me, what stood out and where, where we started talking about this, too, was that game on Sunday between the Lakers and Clippers where – your worst fear about the Clippers was actually came to fruition just right there in the fourth quarter where they targeted Lou Williams on every single play and just basically did a square dance of switch, 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 switch until they got Lou Williams in the matchup they wanted. And that, that I think for the Clippers is right. One of the things that keeps them up at night is how do they keep Lou Williams and to a lesser extent Montrez Harrell on the court in a playoff game? Uh, against, you know, against a highly intelligent, highly skilled player like LeBron James who can manipulate the matchups. Yeah, he is just an absolute surgeon with that. And he's been doing it since they did it in 2011 to Kyle Korver with the Bulls in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, and, uh, but I mean, my response, of course, would be, well, there's nothing that says they have to be on the court. Well, exactly. I think, I think that I almost think. Like, I actually think Doc may have done this on purpose. I posited that, too. We did the the NBA cast to, for this, and I was saying that live of, like, you know, this is a regular season game. Number one, you get them to practice in this situation and maybe drill into everyone's heads that, like, oh, yeah, we got to work on this. And number two, you now have some uh, reason to show the players when he's not out there at the end, well, this is why. Yeah, yeah. And I've seen that a couple times lately from the Clippers, like, just – Stretches of them like playing zone in games that don't matter for when they might need it in a, in a game that does or, um, just some, some other little things they've done. And I, I think this, this was part of, this was like, this was an intentional thing so that he would have, he would have this to, uh, and I think not, not only the point you made, but the other thing is he doesn't have to tip his hand about what he really wants to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, they could have, like, it took them, like, six possessions to start, like, pre-switching him out of there. Mm-hmm. It, you know, I mean, the Lakers are very set-piece, very station-to-station at the end of games. Like, it's not that hard to avoid involving him in the screen the way the Warriors used to do with Curry all yeah. the time. They finally did that at the end, but it was it was pretty uh, it was pretty just, okay, Lou Williams is just going to lock into this guy, and he's going to go up and set the screen, and Lou's going to be stuck in there. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Who, what do you think is... The lineup that everything being equal, LA should be closing games with. Well, I can tell you who four of the five should be. Right, it should be Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. All right, that's not controversial, right? Yeah. Um, Patrick Beverly, um, Marcus Morris, and then the fifth guy. You know, I think there are nights where it's Zubats. Yeah, Jovan Bua, the athletic, uh, seems like uh, just reading the between the tea leaves of his coach. I haven't asked him about this. Seems like he. Might agree with you there in certain matches. I mean, they just could not stop anybody from getting to the rim late in the game. Um, yeah. And they couldn't get a defensive rebound in the second half either. Yeah. I mean, I think there are other situations where it's Jermichael Green. There are other situations where it's uh, Montrez Harrell. But I think those are the guys. And I think because Lou Williams isn't even going to be on the ball. Yeah, and, this is it. I just don't see the point of having him out there in a fourth quarter situation where it's just very – 
half court, switch heavy, right? Like he's he's going to get exposed in that environment. So uh, I I think he's actually a guy who isn't out there at the end. Yeah, they didn't bring in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard to be spot up shooters around a Lou Williams Montrose Herald pick and roll. <laughs> exactly. Touch the ball twice a quarter. Yeah. Yeah. And Paul George took what his first shot in the fourth quarter came with like a minute left or something like that. Um, okay. Uh, let's talk about their, their crosstown rivals at LA Lakers. What's, uh, keeping their coaching staff up at night? Uh, I think a couple things keep their, keep their staff up at night. Um, Houston. I think a second <laughs> matchup with Houston probably keeps them up at night. What makes you say that? I just think the way the Rockets want to play is not conducive to the way the Lakers want to play in terms of their um, the way they want to play small and they're okay with you posting them up. And um, I mean, they're still they're not that great defensively. You can still take advantage of them, but like the Lakers' third, fourth, fifth best guys aren't that good to really to really abuse those guys. And I, I don't know. I just, that, that if they ended up, who knows if Houston even gets to the second round at this point, but I, I just think that that's one that still has to make them nervous. And then uh, I think just wearing LeBron out has to keep them up at night. Yeah. Because he guarded Kawhi in that game. He did a pretty good job. He's we saw that Giannis. twice this weekend yeah. where, where LeBron guarded real basketball players for about the first time this season, right? Where he wasn't just guarding like the fourth or fifth best player on another team. Yeah. And those are big wins for LA. And I think those should enable them now to kind of take it easy down the end, secure in their home court event, try to rest LeBron up. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, to me, I would say just who to play at the end of games would be it. I mean, I think it, and that's something that the coaching staff obviously can really control. And, you know, is it Rondo or Caruso or no point guard at all? Is it uh, Avery Bradley, Contavious Cola Pope, Danny Green, Kuzma, Markeith Morris? Do you go with the center? Do you not go with the center? And I think it's nice to have that optionality, but it's also, you know, a lot of those players are very similar to one another just in terms of their overall quality. And so, just picking the right one. Are you just going to go with, all right, well, here's who played the best in the four minutes preceding crunch time. We're just going to go with that guy based on that four minutes. Are you going to take a more holistic view of it? That's what I would really struggle with. Uh, same question to you. What do you think is their best group to close games with? Well, I think certainly three of those players would be LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Danny Green. It's interesting. Uh, like Danny Green doesn't close some games for them sometimes. I, I mean, I, I agree with you. You should be out there. But. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like he's, he's, but he's one of these guys that's like, oh, well, Danny Green is 0 for 3, so we're not going to play him in crunch time, where it's like, all mm-hmm. right, but he, like, that's what you're going to base it's, it on. But it's here. Danny Green, right? Like yeah. he's going to, yeah. Yeah. Now, it's interesting a little bit because Danny Green and KCP are so physically similar and, and kind of similar in what their, uh, skills are as well. Um, you'd, you'd kind of like to have them both out there, but I don't know if it always makes sense to have them out there. Caruso is probably one of their better players, but in a late game half court situation, I, that's probably not the situation that optimizes his value. Um, Dwight has been so good that he has a case to be out there at the end of games. Yeah. But then you're, you're playing a very big lineup. And is that, is that the best way to play at that point? Uh, I, I think they have a lot of different ways. And then, you know, you, you have to play Rondo 25 minutes, right? <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I mean, may, maybe not in the playoffs, but it's funny. I mean, That's, he'll he'll be terrible. You know, it seems like in, for eighty percent of these big games, and then he'll have a second half like he did against the Clippers, where he earned some some minutes in the fourth quarter. Uh, yeah. and, and they actually outscore the Clippers with LeBron off the floor, which hasn't happened much this year. I do think though, you probably got to go with AD at center because otherwise you don't really have a way to run that LeBron AD pick and roll. Cause the other team, if they're good is just going to switch that. And then you're not really going to get that far. So, right. uh, and right. then if LeBron has the matchup, you want more space for him to get to the rim or post up. And it's hard for him to do that with AD and another center on the floor. And I think they can defend well enough uh, with AD at center and LeBron at the four. Conspicuous by his absence is uh, Kuzma. Yeah. I, to me, his, his role in that team is a six man. They just don't, they don't have a lot of shot creation when LeBron's out of the game. And Kuzma is a, a certainly a willing shot taker. Um, he doesn't provide a lot of value defensively. Is going to create for other people. So th- to me, that's his role. But if, once you get down to the end game, he, he's he's not really needed. He's he's there, Lou Williams almost. What do you make of the Dion Waiters uh, soon to be acquisition? You know, you you hope that's just a like a break glass thing. Um, I mean, he. C- I suppose if he's if he somehow plays at his you know absolute peak level, he could give them another ball handler, right? Who can create some shots. I just, I mean, statistically, he's been so negative the last couple of years. It's just hard for me to to buy into him being anything helpful for them. Yeah, you could at least say he can handle the ball. He can drive and kick. He can you know make open shots okay, and then he can hold up better defensively than Rondo. I mean, I think one thing people forget about him is he was pretty good defensively. You know, going back to 2016 is now four years ago, but uh, against the Warriors because he was so strong, he's got the long arms. Like he can kind of play that Eric Gordon stout role in a switching right. defense potentially. Like I, I get, it. I mean, I think he can help more than Troy Daniels. I think that's the right move to bring him in. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you there. I, I just, I, I guess. You know, similar to Markeith Morris, I, you know, it's it's somebody when you're in the front office, you know, you you this is the type of thing you do because, you know, maybe it'll help you. But you also understand that the game's probably going to be decided by your five or six best players. And he's not one of them. Yeah. Markeith is really interesting to me. I, the 40 percent three point shooting from Detroit as I yet to translate. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I liked the theory of what they were doing with the lineups with him. But I don't know that he played well in those lineups. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, you know, it's a, it's hard to get another guy like that in the mix when you're already playing Dwight and Javale and Anthony Davis, and you're playing LeBron at four, and you're trying to get minutes for Kuzma. Like, where does where where's, you know, where's the niche for Markeith Morris to fit within that? Yeah, well, in the second half yesterday, he played and Dwight didn't play. They played him and Davis together in the front court along with Kuzma when LeBron was out. I think maybe to just give him a little bit more spacing, try to deal with the speed of hair a little bit more. But uh yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think he's that good anymore. So I, I'd be that's another one I just Frank Vogel's got a lot of tools and I'm uh, I'm interested to see how he puts them all together. He's but got you know, where yeah. it gets really interesting is once you get past that first round of the playoffs especially, he's he has to make some veterans unhappy. Like right now, he can make everybody reasonably happy because he can play all these guys 10, 15 minutes, whatever. But I think they're going to get to a point in a series where it's going to be like, okay, Rondo, like 
sorry, like I can't play you anymore or, or Morris or Dwight or one of these guys, he's going to have JaVale. Like one of them, he's going to have to say like, you're playing zero minutes for the next three games. Yeah. So, uh, tell me why you joined the athletic who you now write for. You can sign up for the athletic, get 40% off yearly subscription at theathletic.com slash PER, but you were leaving the Grizzlies. You, you were wanting to get back into media. Why the athletic? Well, uh, I think there's a real, uh, focus and attention there on not just, uh, kind of the immediate, uh, shiny object, but going deeper in their stories and their analysis and taking the time to really, uh, report things out and give people some depth and some of the, some of the whys and some of the explanation and some of the background. And you can see that even going outside my own bailiwick and some of the feature writing that's been done there. Uh, and some of the stories they've been able to tell, which are absolutely fantastic, uh, with some of the talented writers, uh, that are there. Uh, you know, we have a really deep NBA team with, you know, Michael Lee and Sam Amick and, uh, uh, Zach Harper and, uh, uh, just a, just a really deep, uh, deep roster. And I'm there too, obviously now. And, uh, it's, it's just been a fantastic place to work because we have the resources to really chase these, uh, these different stories and these different angles. And it's, it's much less driven by the, just sort of the, uh, uh, the immediacy of the shiny object, I guess I'll say, and we're able to go a lot deeper. So it's been really fun. It seems like they're kind of just letting you write about whatever you want to. Yeah, pretty much, which is, uh, that, that's the know, way to get the best work out of people. Yeah. Generally, you know, if I submitted a story on falconry, they'd probably object, but you know, <laughs> in, ter- in terms of covering the NBA, yeah, we have a lot of latitude and it's, and it's been great because, and you know, we obviously use that, uh, use that to our advantage to really do stuff that hopefully serves, serves our readers as well as we can. Uh, but it's, it's, it's been really great to be a part of this group. Yeah. So once again, the way to get started with them and get 40% off a yearly subscription, go to the athletic comma slash P E R. Use it remember because John invented P E R and, uh, get all of his coverage. All this other great coverage is absolutely essential to following the NBA or really any sport, including even the English Premier League. Now that's the athletic.com slash PER. David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21 grain salute to a less boring sandwich. Thanks to Dave's killer bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed-coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store let's do a couple other teams here who else uh, sticks out to you as uh, a team you want to talk about what their coaching staff is uh staying up at night for well, let's see. I saw the Oklahoma City Thunder play yesterday, so let's talk about them a little. Oh, bit. baby! Because I think they're they're looking a little dark horsey here, right? They're uh, they're actually up to fifth. They could like they could end up with the four seed. Like it's not that 
Yeah, I, I, I don't the, buy it at all. Out of the realm of possibility. I, I think they're a total paper tiger in the playoffs. Really? Yeah. Because they they don't have the ability to... I mean, is Chris Paul going to guard the other team's like best wing threat? Is that what's going to happen? That's what happened at the end of the game last night. He guarded Jason Tatum and got a stop. Yeah, no, I, I guess that's true. But for a seven-game series, that seems pretty difficult. I think any team that can switch is going to cause them big problems. You know, I don't know if Paul can beat that. If you're going to play conventional pick and roll defense at the end of games, yeah, Chris Paul can probably beat you on that. But I think they don't have a ton of versatility. Gallo can't guard anyone either, which is a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he's kind of more of a regular season guy. Uh, Schroeder, I think, can be taken advantage of defensively as well. Gilgis Alexander, this will be his first time as a main option. In the playoffs, and then anytime they go to their bench, it's going to be a disaster. You know, the, Lou Dort is not, or I guess maybe even when you go with their starters without that three-headed point guard monster closing games, yeah, Lou Dort's not going to get guarded. I mean, they really shooter and basically nothing else is their bench, and they also have a massive hole in their starting lineup. So I, I just, I think they are. I don't know if I'd rank them last in the Western Conference playoff power rankings, but I wow. might I might even consider it given the way if it's New Orleans the way that they're playing and some of the talent they have if they're healthy. Um wow. I see I feel the opposite about them. Yeah. They have so many bad players playing minutes right now, and those minutes are going to get cut pretty substantially in a playoff series to wh- to where they can just play their top six or seven guys. And I I think that'll raise them up significantly. I think they force I think they put a lot of pressure on your worst perimeter defender when they play those three guards, yeah. and and they kind of they kind of are democratic enough that they that they spread it around and and let who has has the advantage play. Um, Gallinari defensively and and you know Stephen Adams isn't exactly a you know a speedster either. I think teams if teams can play smaller than them, I think it's I think it's going to be hard for them. Defensively, yeah. I think that's definitely true. Um, the perimeter bench is definitely a concern. They've actually gotten some decent min- minutes from Abdul Nader lately. Um, Lou Dort is on it, like he's starting right now. He's on a two way. Like they get, they got to give him a real contract if he's even going to play in the playoffs. For yeah. Him. Um, so, uh, and then, you know, but their bench isn't good, but their backup five is actually okay. Nerland's Noel, but, um, they, I, I I just think they're uh, if they get in the right series, I mean they're 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 a matchup team for sure. But if they get in the right so, series, so what's still, what's the right series? A real handful. What's the right series to you? Uh, like what about if they played the Nuggets? Well, yeah, I mean that's probably true for every West playoff team, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Nuggets should just be happy the Cavs aren't in the Western Conference playoffs at this point. <laughs> <laughs> the the comment that I, I can't escape uh, from my colleague Seth Partno at the Athletic, who said Denver is the team that we just want to pat on the head. Yeah, like oh you oh you had a nice year, like good job Denver. Like <laughs> I don't think anyone has any faith in them in the postseason, uh, despite the fact that they've managed to win games and whatnot. And Jokic is an awesome player. Um, so yeah, maybe 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 that my Denver uh, comparison should be set aside. What about these guys playing the Rockets? Oh, I think the Rockets uh, will handle them pretty easily. Um, 
uh, who's uh, how, how are they going to guard the Steven Adams or just guard PJ Tucker? I mean, I don't know. Are we talking about the Rockets of March 9th or the Rockets of March 1st? <laughs> <laughs> I assume the re- the reality of those uh, is somewhere in between the two. I would, yeah. I, would I mean, it's really been crazy just the, the number of win streaks uh, and losing streaks that have befallen teams like Houston and Utah. I mean, I think against Utah, that might be an okay matchup for for OKC. Like, that's one where I think they could give them some problems. But they also have won, what, like five games more than their point differential would have expected right now? Yeah. The, yeah. I mean, they've been awesome late and close games, um, which, you know, you can't. You can't count you can, on that. Yeah. It can, you can't count on that is, is the best way to put it. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. so I guess we, we uh, I, I enjoyed this tangent, but so what is keeping you up at night then if you are their uh, coaching staff? I think probably your lack of of like real wings. Yeah. Like you you like you have nobody who can who has a chance against LeBron, right? Other than like like maybe Dort, but like offensively he's just going to take so much off the table that that you're going to have a hard time keeping him out there. Um so like those kind of wings um are a problem for them. I mean even uh like they were able to force Tatum into a bad game uh yesterday even like like Gordon Hayward was a problem for him. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I mean Harden, I think uh, is going to would be an issue for them. Also, uh, you know, I don't think like Chris Paul, his arms are just too short to guard him, and yeah, uh, on that step back, so that that would be an issue too. Obviously, the Clippers, if they have to play them, so yeah, they just don't have like those big wings that can uh, that can play bully ball, but also play in the perimeter. They don't, you know, Gallo's the closest thing they have to that, and he's. Yeah. That, like that's not really right. what he and, is. and like you know Terrence Ferguson you know he, he might do an okay job guarding Harden but then you know he's just a total zero offensively uh okay let me pick one more here okay Milwaukee Bucks Milwaukee Bucks what is keeping me up at night with the Milwaukee Bucks I mean Giannis's knee would be the obvious answer right sure yeah but, but. It's something that's actually like might be within your control as a coaching staff or or a weakness that you feel like you really have to like scheme for and protect. I mean, they're a really good team. I you still wonder a little bit just because of what happened last year. Are people going to be able to scheme them in such a way to kind of take away a lot of the value from Bledsoe and Lopez and really just just force them to be about Giannis and Middleton and and kind of taking away a lot of that extra stuff. I think if I were the Bucks coaching staff, whatever set play you have to get Eric Bledsoe a couple of easy buckets right at the start of the game, I'm running that. I, I want to get him comfortable, feeling like he's playing well, forgetting about his past playoff demons. You know, if you've got like some backdoor play or, you know, whatever it is yeah. to get Eric Bledsoe yep. open that's not getting him an open three, you know. Some like quick pick and roll where he, he can attack downhill and, the, and there's uh, the rim is open. Whatever that is, that I really want to get him charged up at the start of the game, and then you know hopefully that'll help him make more of a, an impact defensively as well because they need him defensively. I think. Yeah, because you know the other thing is I think you have to be cognizant of like some outliers. Like George Hill is not a forty eight percent three point shooter, so like you got to. You got to sort of have that calibrated in your head too. That like you're you, as amazing as he's been as a shooter this season. Like that can't be the thing you're counting on getting in the in the conference finals. No, I agree. 
and he's been solid attacking the army. I, I had him actually, I think number two in my six man when we just did it a couple of days ago. But, uh, it, yeah, it's, uh, at his age, it is kind of tough to rely on that. I, I think the other thing to me is just can Giannis keep this up and how can you put him in position to succeed with space where he can set up those shooters and he's not relying on, you know, he's, he's improved this turnaround jump shot that he has uh, and but where he's not yeah. t- ha- doesn't have to take a bunch of threes that can kind of be the supplement that that's something yeah. i'd be very yeah. concerned about yeah my one other thing that probably is nagging at me a little bit if i'm milwaukee they've been able to avoid this pretty much all year but we haven't really seen a situation where a team has been able to run brooke lopez off the floor and that surprises me a little bit but i still wonder if that could happen against a team like boston um or maybe Toronto. Um, I mean, Boston could theoretically like just try to play Jalen Brown at five, right? Yeah, I'm not sure that they have enough help defense in that situation, though. I mean, how are they going to stop Giannis that way? I, I think if they do that, the Bucks can just outscore them, and they can still barricade off the rim enough uh, that that it'll be okay. I, th- I think they. I'm not wor- that worried about Boston as a matchup for them, actually. Right. Because, right. and if Boston had just a little bit more reliable three point shooting, like if they had one guy who was just like, all right, dead bang, 40%, absolutely cannot leave him open under any circumstances, I might feel a little bit better with a chance. Maybe, I mean, maybe that's Tatum, you know, but they, they shoot so many off the dribble threes. And so maybe they can get hot there. That's what Milwaukee gives up. But I just don't think they have enough in them, especially because I don't think they have the guy to guard Giannis. I don't know. That's, uh, I think it's good. I mean, it's going to be Marcus Smart. Is that who they put on him? Yeah. Oh, the cat. The cat is is meowing. He doesn't believe that Boston has any answers for for Giannis <laughs> at all. Um. Okay. So let's uh, let's rule some teams out of the playoffs before we go here. And we skipped last week because we did the coach rankings. So yeah. Let's do two. Would you like to get the first and fourth pick or the second and third pick here? Wow. All right. I'll I'll pick for well does it matter I mean we're we're allowed to pick the same teams right yeah yeah matter. we are but I mean go- you know sometimes <laughs> uh, just to just to eliminate uh, any strategic uh, picking here yeah okay I'll go, I'll go first and fourth um I don't remember who the last teams I eliminated so uh, the last team that you eliminated was Chicago uh, Chicago okay. still remains to me uh mm-hmm. i eliminated phoenix we have we have eliminated 11 teams we need to get rid of three more okay so i have not eliminated phoenix yet you have not eliminated phoenix yet see ya <laughs> yeah yeah I mean, 26 and 38 like they i mean they would have to play pretty amazing basketball to get in at this point so. and they have so many teams uh, in between them as well who are all yeah. trying that's the other thing um yeah so uh, you want to give us a, a quick uh AAR after action review uh, on the uh, the Phoenix Suns season here. You know, it started out looking pretty optimistic, and they just never they they just never quite got back to that level they were playing at the first couple weeks of the season. Um, I do think they have some things to build on. Uh, they have to get more more guard help, I think, um, and upgrade the four spot, and then and then they could make a more serious run at a playoff spot. Yeah, they've got the twenty million in cap space. This summer might be one of the few teams actually trying to use it to get better this year. They have some obvious holes, but, and I mean, I think 
this year was supposed to be about Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, number one, and putting them in a position to succeed. I think they did that to some degree. You know, Booker had his best season. He's been pretty efficient. Ayton has definitely made some strides when he's been able to stay on the court for various reasons he hasn't. So, uh, it, but it's kind of, it's kind of sad because I think this has been a pretty good season for them relative to expectations. And yet they still don't particularly have a path forward for consistent playoff contention to me or, or consistently no, being I mean, in the playoffs. I should say more accurately. Yeah. Yeah. It would be, it's the old, you know, internal improvement, but um, they're, you know, and they're still pretty young. Like their guys will probably get a little better, but they're, <laughs> Just to like, like when you ask, like, how would this become a fifty-win team? It's kind of like, oh, I don't know, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so. Ubre's injury is a is a bit of a bummer for them too. And, and absolutely, he was he was playing well. And, for and we haven't really. I wanted to see more offensively from Mikhail Bridges this year. His usage is like twelve percent. Uh, and uh, very gun shy yeah. too. Yeah, the three point yeah, shooting has troubling. been a disappointment for him. Yeah, compare. I mean, the guy I saw at Villanova was way more aggressive. What's up, sports fans? Matt Peck here, host of Locked On Bulls, and I want to talk to you really quickly about another excellent podcast. Huge Fan is a new SiriusXM original podcast where stars talk sports. Each week, join host LaChina Robinson as she chats with your favorite celebs about childhood sports memories, game day rituals, the most heated rivalries, and more. And this new season features huge names like Anthony Ramos from In the Heights and Hamilton, Pat Carney from the Black Keys, Mel C, that's right, a.k.a. Sporty Spice from the Spice Girls, and even actress Michelle Williams talking about her love for our very own Chicago Bulls. Huge Fan is a fresh way to connect with your favorite artists, actors, and personalities about something we all understand, fandom. Huge Fan is now out on Pandora, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow the show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. Okay, so I get two in a row here, and I'm going to finally do it. My Eastern Conference playoff field is now set with the elimination of the Chicago Bills 21-43 and and just haven't been able to get healthy. They... They've tantalized with the way they've played with Otto Porter on the floor the last week and a half or so of maybe what could have been if he'd been able to stay healthy all year, but that was not the case. And they had a bunch of other injuries as well. So, uh, at 21 and 43 now, I mean, that you're, they would have to go like 14 and five to catch where the Nets are projected at, which is 35 and 47. And that's, uh, timeout. Yeah. Oh, I just wanted to call timeout with two seconds left in your, uh, in your speech about the Bulls. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm going to write them down on my sheet, and I shall continue on here. Now, a little bit difficult because, uh, as uh, longtime listeners will recall, we have both eliminated the Kings and Grizzlies, who uh, remain in contention here. Yeah. But I think I'm going to go ahead and stick a fork in the San Antonio Spurs with LaMarcus Aldridge out, uh, unclear precisely when he's coming back with this shoulder strain. Jakob Pertl is out as well, maybe for the rest of the season with a grade one MCL strain. So I, I think there's just no way they're going to be able to defend. Uh, DeMar DeRozan was on fire, and then he's been dealing with back spasms, hasn't been playing as well either. So I, I just don't see how they can get there, especially, again, when you've got Kings, Blazers, Grizzlies, and Pelicans all ahead of them now as well. I really can't argue with that one. Um, I, I, cause they were going to be my pick too. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, you know, you're looking at like 40 minutes a night of, of Trey Lyles in the middle with some Drew Eubanks thrown in. Shout out to the Oregon State Beavers, but uh, I, I just that's a pretty underwhelming uh, front court, and they just they just don't have enough other guys to offset that. They're just, I mean, they got they got some real decisions to make this off season because it's, I mean, it's over, right? Like they got they got to face the truth now. Yeah, and they've got really, I mean, maybe Pirtle can come back and be your start the game, but don't finish the game center as a restricted free agent. You know, they should be able to get him on a, a decent contract if they want to retain him. He's, he's shown some flashes this year defensively. And then they've got three guys, their other three worthwhile prospects all do the exact same thing and are all the exact same size. There's Lonnie Walker, DeJounte Murray, and Derek White all basically have the same strengths and weaknesses except Walker, you know, doesn't defend as well as the other two guys. Yeah. Yeah. They, so that's another thing you wonder, are they going to end up making a trade to sort out that backcourt a little bit and try to add somebody else at the three, four, um, DeRozan has a player option, but I think he'd be nuts to opt out of it, but we'll see what happens there. That's the other variable. They guaranteed LaMarcus Aldridge. Maybe they trade those guys and get something. For, for teams that are trying, I think, I think LaMarcus can still help a team. DeRozan is more yeah. just, uh, creating shots for a team that wants to be what the Spurs were this year. Yeah, exactly. The, the thing that hurts San Antonio versus like where we were in Memphis was that Mike Conley and Marcus all still had a lot of trade value when, when we got to that point. Whereas DeRozan and Aldridge, I would say probably don't. Yeah. Well, they should have traded him earlier. And, and then maybe they would have. You no, know, honestly, every, I'm, <laughs> I think even the the day they got DeRozan, I'm not sure he had that much. Well, money. yeah, and that's. I mean, uh, it, I was talking about this with Danny on my show. Of just, I hope you really enjoyed that seven game loss to the Nuggets last year in the playoffs. Like, was that worth it for you, Spurs, to uh, set back your rebuild by what'll probably be a, a couple of years to just prioritize DeRozan instead of some other more uh, future focused return? I mean, what what if uh, they just tried to engage the Lakers for Kawhi at, at that point instead of and gotten younger instead of trying to stay competitive? And I know they felt like they needed to do that for Greg Popovich uh, with him going into the sunset here. But yeah, it's going to be a long way out. I mean, I, I, what, what do you think of this? I, I said this to Danny or Danny actually said this to me yesterday. He thinks that the Spurs are the least likely Western Conference team to make the conference finals in the next five years. Wow. And there's a lot of competition there. I don't know if I agree with that, but there, there, I was going to say there's some, I mean, just looking at how the Suns have been managed, you gotta, they gotta be on the short list, right? Yeah. But I mean, mean, they they have a lot more young talent than the Spurs do right now. And the Wolves, I mean, they do as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. Kings, De'Aaron Fox is better than the Spurs. I guess the ultimately though, there was always last year you could say, yeah, you know, DeJounte Murray toward the ACL, but man, look at, Derek White, he's really coming on. We got Lonnie Walker. And, you know, those guys have developed reasonably well given where they were drafted, but it doesn't look like any of those guys is going to be your next superstar, which, you know, so the Spurs development system has done well on them, but they needed to perform a miracle and that doesn't look like it's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. They needed another Tony Parker to, right. you know, pull out of a, pull out of a hat and didn't quite do that. And, you know, their other go-to over the last uh, couple decades has been to 
uh, win the lottery in a year with a transcendent player. And even if they win the lottery this year, they're not getting a transcendent player. So. Yeah, it doesn't look like it. And obviously, Greg Popfish's future is uh, very much in question, you would have to say, Mm -hmm. going forward here. Um, All right, so I I guess next time we will – we've only got one more team to rule out. I mean, I guess it'll it'll be between the Pels and the Blazers for both of us here, and we'll see – we'll have to pick between them. I'm – I think I know where I'm leaning. That was a a really good call by us eliminating the Grizzlies so early. man. That was – that took some it foresight. Was, it, you know? it was I, well. You have a little bit better because I eliminated them third, and you waited until fifth to eliminate them. <laughs> but we eliminated them basically like mid December, like right when their big surge started. Exactly. Who, who do exactly. you think is going to make it? By the way, Pels, Grizz, Blazers, Kings. I think the odds favor the Grizzlies right now. I think they have enough games in hand. To survive it, they're about to get Jackson back. They're about to get Winslow in the lineup. So I, I think they, their, their schedule is definitely an issue, especially relative to Portland and New Orleans, who have pretty light ones. But I think they've banked just enough wins that they're going to get there. Yeah, right now, 538's ELO forecast has the Pels finishing two games ahead of the Grizz. And I think the Pels play like two more over 500 teams the entire rest of the season. There, I remembered looking earlier. Their final fifteen games are Charm and Soft, um, and we'll see too. You know, sometimes you get these teams and they're doing, uh, uh, you know, what these teams like Detroit are doing, where you know a lot of even their even their good players who are who are allowing them to be mediocre aren't playing. You know, yeah. So uh, you, you you really almost get an automatic win out of those. Well, but, you know, maybe the Grizz in the last week of the season, some of those games look easier. And by, by the way, it's 538's ELO is their team-based forecast. That actually has the Grizz three games ahead of the Pels, but Raptor has the Pels two games ahead of the Grizz, so just to be uh, yeah. to correct myself. There. Raptor, uh, the uh, that Raptor one has been massively optimistic about the Pels the whole, yeah. pretty much the I mean, whole Nate's, leg, so. Nate's been tweeting out uh, how accurate those things are. So far, so we'll see whether whether it holds true. So I'm, I'm very interested to see how this uh, how this plays out, and of course, it's probably going to end up dictated heavily by like which playoff teams rest players the final week of the season. I mean, that final night of the season, the Grizzlies at Houston, you know, on paper is a probable loss, but you know they could end up playing against 45 minutes of Isaiah Hartenstein, which in which case they probably win, right? One would hope, yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> or if they don't, they don't deserve to be in the playoffs anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, this was fun. We'll be back uh, next week, uh, probably at the, the usual time again on Sunday. So we will talk to you all then. Thanks so much for listening. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.